Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matt, you know what happens is when you go, Lord, you let us do this. <laughs> we get to do this. Oh, cool. What's yeah. something? Yeah. Like, you know, it's so weird. You know, we're in January. We're sent 315, mobilization and all of that. But it's just, I just really, like you said last week, I wish people could peek in and just see who we're with. Yeah, for sure. You know, these people... This morning, you're recording after three other people recorded, and I couldn't even get you out of the parking lot. Right. You get the three people talking to the three yeah, people. Yeah, oh, because it, it's just a little bit of a love fest, because we really have a good, good family. As strange and messy as it is sometimes. It's so beautiful, though. <laughs> I have got Greg Goodrich, Mary Hoffman, and Gabby Merlot, who all know that I absolutely love them. I got to do, it's not Gabby Merlot anymore. What is your last name, Gabby? Gabby Conkle. I was actually there that day. That last name happened. I got to do Gabby's <laughs> wedding, and it was a great, great joy for me. That was really good. By the way, I don't believe that vows expire, so you don't need to renew them necessarily, <laughs> but I'll do that one too yeah. if that ever is the case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Mary Hoffman, yes. welcome. Hi. Everybody has had an opportunity to hear Dave's episode, and I told Dave that you would be coming on, and he was a little nervous about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to throw any Dave stories in, oh, sure. man. there are oh, certainly my. some that he through in that episode Thank for you. sure. Thank yeah. you for you being here. You can fill here. the whole show. There we go. There we go. And Greg? Yes, sir. I just got to tell you, you might be the most encouraging person, mm. not just for what we're doing on Sent 315, but just on the face of the earth. Mm. Thank you, because you allow God, we talked about calling before yeah. Gary Barkalo's episode before we came on, and quite frankly, you allow God to use who he made you to be in a really wonderful way. So thank you for coming on and thank you for being an, an incredible really encouragement to me. Okay, so I want people to get to know you a little bit more who might not know you. And so I want you to just tell me about how you came to the Lord. How did you meet him and what did it mean? And Gabby, I'll let you start. So I was actually raised Catholic and went to a Catholic elementary school, K through eighth grade. I was born in San Francisco and my parents were super involved up there in the charismatic, charismatic yeah. renewal. And so even though it was like a Catholic environment, we did a lot of marriage conferences and kids conferences. And so the Holy Spirit was super present. And until I was like five, six, seven, I was seeing the laying of hands and speaking in tongues and worship. But came to San Diego, and then I didn't see that anymore. My parents just went to church and read our Bibles, always prayed. My mom would sing worship songs over us every before we went to sleep. And then in sixth grade, Montana, now Carr, she invited practically almost every girl in our middle school class right to junior Montana. high group. <laughs> so I came to Foothills Junior High Group on a Friday, and I saw like these sixth grade girls like raising their hands in worship. And I was like, immediately was like moved. And I was like, I know what we're doing. Why do I know this? And I went home telling my parents and we just remembered, oh, you grew up in this, but the Catholic church we were at just, there wasn't a lot of that. They didn't have a youth group or anything. And then, so joined core in junior high here at Foothills Church. 
And then I decided I want to go to Foothills Church like full time. So we converted to non-denominational. So raised in a Christian home. But I would say in high school, I ended up going to Foothills Christian High School. The Bible classes were so amazing of like really teaching us about the Bible. And then our senior year, Dan Dealing's apologetics class of why do we believe? How do we defend our faith? And even learning about other religions, it made me really start realizing like, hey, my faith is important. So college time really made me have to make my faith my own. All my friends went away to college. I was here by myself and had to realize I'm going to common ground for myself, not to make friends or anything. It's to learn about Jesus, worship Jesus. Ever since college has just been great. And my 20s has been great because I've really been able to like dig deeper into the Lord and make my faith my own, which is, I think, so important to realize at a younger age. So, yeah. I remember being at a new church up in North County and watching my son Jeremy across the room. We were in the sanctuary and watching him worship. And I went, yeah, his face is on. He's not a he's not a grandchild of God's. He and it was really very, very cool to see that right before my eyes. I know what you're talking about. What about you, Mary? Well, I grew up in a Catholic home as well. I'm number six of seven kids. So I got lost in the mix. I just didn't see a lot of the faith worked out in my family, in my home life. So by the time I was 13, I went through a confirmation class, but told my parents I did not want to be confirmed and wasn't really interested in going to church. So that's I about 13 years old. And my parents let me do that. So my friends were not going to church in school. I was in public school. So went through about six years of just doing my own thing and being raised by my peers, really. And then when I was 19, my boyfriend, who I thought I was going to marry, broke up with me and was devastating. I didn't think I could live any longer. And a friend started inviting me to her church. So we were working together. That was my husband, Dave's sister. We knew each other from high school. I like her. Yeah. So started going to Dave's father's church, which St. Luke's Lutheran, and very much like the Catholic Church, right? Liturgy and hymns and all that. But the Spirit of God was there, and the people there just accepted me where I was at and loved me into the kingdom of God. Right on. Okay. Craig Goodrich is the same thing. You grew up Catholic. You went to church every day. (laughs) Almost. Okay. Uh, My mom grew up Catholic. So we didn't really go to church as a family, but she had that Catholic way of thinking. And my parents got divorced when I was six. I started getting molested by my uncle at six, who was caretaking for us. And somebody gave me a little glow-in-the-dark cross so that thing would get charged up with the light on in the evening. And that would be my little touchstone. And that was my relationship to God, even though I didn't really know anything about him. And so my mom started putting us in private school. So went to Episcopalian Lutheran school and we would have Bible classes. And man, I tell you, I would ask every week is, can I move to the front? <laughs> and uh, whoever, you know, they are with the caller doing the teaching. I'd be like right there. Wow. I just love the stories. I love the courage. I love the love that they talked about. Because I wasn't seeing it in my house, and I was living this secret life. I would go to the playground, and 
my buddies are talking about, man, I caught the winning touchdown this weekend, and I go, I got molested by my uncle this weekend. So I started embellishing my life to make it interesting to my friends. And so that started like this whole way of living a fantasy life. I mean, I had this other life that I tried to keep going. So out of high school, my father asked me to work for him at a sheet metal shop in Encinitas. And he taught me the trade. I didn't know that his intentions were for me to take his business over. And I was 22, and he came to me, and he says, Greg, I'm ready to retire. I want you to have the company. And I said, Dad, the surf's up. Girls are at the beach. I am out of here. I see you working at 1030 at night. I don't want any part of that. So he sold the company, and I was running my dad's gutter cruise at the time. And I saw that the new owner was just going to close our doors. He was a competitor. He took our clientele. So I had like six months worth of work, and everybody was unhappy with him. So they said, Greg, if you ever do anything on your own, I'll go with you. And I'm like, I'll do that. He's going to shut our doors. I know it. And so during that time, I was making good money. I had a new car. I lived on a three-story place, six blocks over Cardiff Reef. So surfing and girls and drugs in the whole nine yards. And all my friends envied me. But I would cry just about every night. Well, God, there has to be more to life than this. And so about three weeks afterward, I started my new company with my best friend who lived across the street from me growing up. And his father was an Assembly of God pastor, and he passed away on a Saturday morning. And it's his fourth heart attack. They basically said, after the third, go home, retire. You're not going to make it very long. And he actually died that Saturday morning in his wife's arms. And he said, before I leave, I want Greg Goodrich to come to the Lord. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He passed away that Saturday morning. And my business partner, his son Jeff, had just driven. It was en route to Texas where his father's parents lived. And when he got there, he got the news like at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, your dad just died. He goes, Greg, what should I do? And I said, stay there. I will stand in for you with your mom. And I always called her my other mother. She loved me like no other. Mm-hmm. My mom could never keep clothes on me. I grew up in Arizona. You don't wear clothes. <laughs> I had a crew cut and shorts, no shoes. She would come over giving my mom money all the time. Mm-hmm. This kind of family they were. She'd go, here's money for Greg's shoes. She goes, he's got a closet <laughs> full of shoes. <laughs> I can't won't keep them on him. <laughs> so at his memorial service, I walked his wife down. It was an open casket. Walked him down to the, her down to the front. And when my eyes met his face in the casket, I felt these big, gentle hands mm-hmm. grab my shoulders and turn me around and knelt me at that pew. <laughs> wow. And I didn't understand anything about anything. People are praying over me. People are going, come into his heart, Jesus. And all I knew is, you know, this kid that was taught, men don't cry, boys don't cry. Mm-hmm cried what seemed to be a half hour, maybe it was 10, 15 minutes, but I literally felt flushed from head to toe, all the pain, all the abuse, all the shame. Um, Jesus. And uh, it was pretty miraculous. Well, here's the humor in the story. Okay. So I'm hiring a kite, man. I'm like, what is this Jesus thing? I am in, this is amazing. I've never felt this good. And they told, they sat me down, told me a little bit about Jesus. And then I had a party at 6 o'clock at my house. I bought the keg. I'd grown the pot. I had the cocaine. And about 40 friends came over. And guess what? All I did was going around, 
hey, I realize this is probably the last time I'll ever see you again, but guys, I don't need this. I don't need that. It's all about Jesus, man, and there's no low to his high. This is fantastic, and it was kind of hilarious. At one point, I accidentally actually took a hit of, of pot, and it didn't affect me. Wow. I'm like, whoa, yeah, I can even make a mistake, and he's covering for me. And, of course, there's only been one person out of that whole party that I've seen, and he just moved about a mile from me. So he's my little mission field. So okay. the Lord. that's kind of my, my story there. Right on. That's a great story. Get him, brother. It really works into my next question. And it's so cool to have three people here. We've done this a few times, but typically it's one person because we get time to go so deep into that story or what they've written, that kind of thing. But you guys are different. When you took the styles of communication – Greg, you're a storyteller. You just told yep. your story. Yep. That's what you do. <laughs> and Mary, you're an analytical, right? And I want to dive into that. And Gabby is relational. That's why nobody came in from the parking lot to record, because she just brightens up every room she's in. But with all three of those, and people will resonate with your style. The people that are listening are one of these styles, or kind of a combination. But um, let me ask you this. What's your motivation for sharing Jesus? What's your why? Oh, man, that's a no-brainer. Just even in my life experience, even after being a Christian, I've made a lot of mistakes and have a lot of regrets. And seeing his amazing grace every day in spite of my brokenness still is so humbling. And then I have the best job in the world. I get to walk up to strangers' doors eight to ten times a day and I always say this every day, the best thing about my job is the people and the dogs I meet. <laughs> and even this morning, it's a great indicator. I was driving to my first estimate going, what do I have to offer this podcast? This lady just comes, opens her door and starts telling me five minutes, oh, this, I need that fixed. I need this looked at. And I somehow knew her husband had passed away. And I said, is your husband still around? And she says, no, he just died of cancer. And she started crying. And I was like, gosh, I'm so sorry. And I didn't mean to make you cry. She said, no, 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 I'm glad you asked. And I don't mind sharing it. And she says, we were married 62 years. Oh, man. Starts telling me their amazing marriage they had. Amazing. And then she told me, you know, I actually left him for one year when my son was 14. And God graciously took me through that time. And after she told me that her husband died, I said, do you have faith? And she says, yes, I do. So to answer your question, it's the coolest thing in the world when you open that box. You know, I was raised, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion. Man, I don't do the politics because that's never, never good. <laughs> it's not but, fun. <laughs> but I tell you, I just go, this is what I have to offer. And you know what? You end up hiring me, that's even better. But just especially during COVID, being able to go to people's doors. Some people hadn't seen a stranger for a week. So that was really powerful. Right on. Mary, what's your why? I wish I could say ditto. I am so, not anymore, but I was painfully shy and didn't like to talk to anybody about anything. So that's where the relational comes in. You say I'm analytical, but I square just as high on relational because I think that's the way I share. I just wait for people to ask me. At the gym, a lady just recently found out I would go to Foothills, and her husband used to go to Foothills, and 
they decided they want to go to Foothills. And so I met her there and she said, yeah, this is great. We're going to come back. Usually it's somebody asking me. And so I don't usually put myself out there right away. That's, I mean, I really do want to be challenged to do that more. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And there's a ton of people that can relate to that. When Melinda Botticelli was on the show, and she's shy, she's very much of an internal processor. And what she found out, and actually what we prayed for her about, is to not feel the enemy's whispers that you're not doing anything, and the guilt and the shame that you're not like this person, so you're not really doing anything, you're a terrible person. And to get rid of that, because there's so many times where you're living a life that gets people to ask questions, right? Like, what is it? And that is really powerful, especially when they ask you. Gabby? I think it's become more aware the last couple of years, but there's just so much brokenness in the world. And I think COVID showed that even more. So I want people to experience Jesus and know the freedom that we can have from brokenness and especially joy, like the love and joy that we can receive from the Lord and literally how there's no one on this planet that can love us more than him. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not as bold and I don't, like I wish I asked questions like, oh, do you have faith? I don't, but a lot of people just want to be listened to. And so I love to listen to people. And if there's a way for me to talk Mm -hmm. about Jesus, then I will, especially when I see that there's sort of brokenness in people's Mm -hmm. lives. I'm like, Jesus can help you with this. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, to help with brokenness, it breaks my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, when Elizabeth was sitting in the chair that you're sitting in now, <laughs> that's something that Jim Dealing prayed over her mm. and that she mm. has prayed herself, Lord, break my heart like your yeah. heart is broken for people yeah. that don't have you. Mm-hmm. So I think the reason that I bring this up in these episodes in January is because I think the why is important. Mm-hmm. I went to a Billy Graham training uh, thing right before the big thing when he was here in San Diego before and those guys they tell the story of the Titanic hmm. and the training and in the Titanic there were these half filled lifeboats and people that they loved were dying but they didn't go back to get them how did they live with that hmm. that they could have put wow. more people in their boats hmm. and it just was there are people who are dying and going to hell, and also Mm -hmm. not experiencing this fullness of life that Mm -hmm. Jesus gives us. So that is a strong Mm -hmm. why. That one caught me, and I was like, okay, then I need to be more intentional and a little less busy. Mm -hmm. David Matranga was talking about being inconvenienced. Mm -hmm. Deliberately. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, like being willing to. Mm -hmm. Like the things that have happened on airplanes with me, if (laughs) I would have been having the headphones in and staring into a book, they never would Mm -hmm. have happened. Mm. And so that why I think is really mm-hmm. important. Let me ask you this, in relational, and Mary, you're kind of a couple, and st- Greg, your story, relational is Gabby, but what are some challenges for you? Do you find that you have some challenges in communicating? Uh, or no, Greg? Yeah, definitely it, sometimes. Maybe I'll feel a little intimidated if the guy's kind of gruff and that kind of thing, and I'm sensing maybe a direction I can go to introduce God to the conversation. Um I wish I could say I nailed it every time, but I would say maybe I'm 50-50. I just get, you know, the guy, guys just may shut me down and go, what's up with you? So that's probably my biggest challenge. Uh, I just hit 65 and something really happened. You know, it's just a number, who cares? But 
I'm reminded of my mortality. And yeah. so I did all the doctor things, physicals, and everything's great. Good, glad to hear it. But there was an old story I heard some pastor tell, and he talked about this man that went to heaven and that God took him to this huge warehouse, and then it was filled with these shelves that just went as high as he could see. But there's all these things on the shelves, and God told him, these are things and gifts that I have for my body that they never trusted me or encouraged mm. me to jump into. And yeah. God, give it to me, you know? And that he was handing these things to this man, and the man was just, he fell to his knees crying. I would have loved that. Oh my gosh, that's so in my wheelhouse. I don't want to be that guy. I want to go up there and see a clean shelf. I really yeah. want to go, it's done. I And I feel like I've wasted a lot of time and energy living the ways that I thought's the right thing to do and and all that and just work, 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 work all the time. Yeah. And I'm really realizing I'm taking fewer jobs. I am estimating fewer to give more time to talk to people because I just want more opportunity to do something life-changing. Gotcha. Absolutely. Mary, you shared a little bit that you're not as shy as you used to be, but you're more quiet and waiting for people to ask questions and then seizing the opportunity there. And was it you or Gabby who said you want to be more like Greg and yeah, ask that? Yeah. Was that you? Yeah. My problem is I'm sort of a hobbit by nature. <laughs> so I don't like to have adventures, but mm. if God puts me in one, I'll step up to it usually. Yeah, yeah I need a G Gandalf <laughs> to get it off. And that funny. and that first step is just is putting down a prayer list, which we have yeah. um, on the website, yeah. and just say, Father, where am I going? Who do you have for me so that I can be intentional with them? Mm, right. And just see mm. and watch them ask those questions yes. or, or open up like that and their yeah. brokenness. Gabby, what's, what part is challenging for you in this? Yeah, I think I get too caught up in the relational part yeah and i'm reading this it says beware of valuing friendship over truth or building mm. friendship is secondary to the ultimate goal and i think that goes along with i'm a people pleaser and want to be liked by people and especially just the career that i'm in of the airline especially just now with politics and COVID and whatnot people could say something bad about me and it could mm. lead to disciplinary action, which is dumb and silly, but mm. it's true. I feel I'm scared because I want the crew that I'm working with this entire four days to like me because if not, that can cause real beef. You're, we call it a metal tin. You're in, the, in a metal tin in the air. But I think I do get caught up in wanting people to like me too much. And there's pros and cons to it. They feel like they can relate with me better, but sometimes, I need to not be shy of them, even if they disagree with me, that's okay. It's our beliefs. But yeah, it's definitely either valuing the friendship too much or just, I want you to like me. Yeah, and I totally get it. A decade or more ago, Jenny Steckler would say, I'll know their shoe size, their favorite color, what they had for breakfast, mm. but maybe never get to uh, important matters of life with mm. people. So it was a challenge to try mm. to be when you see the opportunity to be more intentional. And I got to tell you, I know a lot of relational people. And that's one that when you're saying, you're, you're always partnering. You're not getting mm -hmm. anybody saved, right? Mm -hmm. The You do your job, mm -hmm. you be obedient, whether you're 50-50 or not, right? You just mm -hmm. do it. That's what you do. And then the Holy Spirit yeah. draws people to yeah. the Lord. Yeah. 
Let me ask you this for this mobilization. In fact, I wanted, I haven't read the definition for mobilization. This is what we're doing. It says the action of organizing and encouraging a group of people to take collective action in pursuit of a particular objective. And this particular objective is seriously just being obedient to the call to love people, to serve people, to witness to people the way that God made you. So I think in the first step, what I'd like you to do is just encourage people that are like you. I'd like to do this. I'd like each one of you to pray for mm. people that are mm -hmm. built like you so that mm. they would be equipped and encouraged mm. and understand the partnership mm. that they're in. So can we do that? So let's just do a short prayer of each one of you for the people that are built just mm -hmm. like you. Amen. Father God, I just thank you. We're all broken people. And Father God, I look back on the thing that has made me effective in my style of witnessing is the fact that I had to learn at a young age how to size up people within seconds and say, are they safe or are they unsafe? And that in your hands has developed into a gift to where I can connect and go, whoa, they got this going on. They got that going on. They're hurting. Ask questions. And Father, I pray for people that have that sensitivity and can kind of size up people quickly, even though it could have been developed as something negative, that Father God, they will have that boldness and confidence to rest and trust that. The Holy Spirit, when he gives them that little nudge, hey, say something, ask the question, they're hurting. Take a minute and just listen to them, ask questions, and know that, Father, with you, we can't get in a bad place, that mm. you're going to get us out of a mess if we get in a mess. But what's Amen. the worst thing? They're going to say, I don't want to answer that question. It's okay. You're still showing care and concern. So, Father, I pray for freedom over anybody hearing this. From any bondage, anything that will hold them back, from trusting you. Father, we have the word of life in us, and people are dying to hear it. So, Father, I just ask, give everybody that can hear this, Lord, a boldness to trust you and to just go out there and take the next step. Father, I lift up those who are listening who are introverts like me mm -hmm. and want to just stay home and enjoy a cup of coffee in front of the fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lord, I remember listening to Linda Hoffman and sharing about how she, her heart was broken for the lost and mm -hmm. because she cried out to you and said, help me to care about these people. And Lord, it's easy to stay back in my comfort zone. And I do pray that you would help me and those like me to step out and be bold, Lord, with the truth, because you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through you. Mm, yeah. Lord, I thank you for this podcast that brings mm -hmm. people together, just different ages and different personalities, but we all love you, and we all want to share the goodness of who you are and the goodness that you are in our lives, Lord. I thank you that there's listeners from all parts of the world and mm. different giftings, Lord, and it's mm -hmm. so huge, but it's so great that the church is just made up of people mm -hmm. with different gifts. And we see that with us that are here, Lord. But <clears throat> I pray for people who are more relational like I am, Lord. I pray that we would see people the way you saw them. And when Jesus was here on earth, 
he was in relationship with people, but he also wasn't worried about who was liking him and if the Pharisees wanted to kill him, Lord. And so mm. I pray that we would have that boldness mm. as well, that we would have your eyes to see the people yes. that are hurting and be intentional with them and build relationship with them, Lord. But would we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit letting us know, hey, this person's hurting and they need to know about Jesus's love and what he's done for us, Lord. So I thank you again for everyone and mm -hmm. how different you've made everyone and how we all have a part in this kingdom and how we're all coming together to build your kingdom more and more, Lord. But would you just strengthen all of our weaknesses, whatever mm -hmm. they may be, Lord. Yeah. Well, you guys, it is an honor to be in this together with you, and I've encouraged everybody to get the resources off of our website, Sent315, and also to email me. Email me with what you're going to do. Email me with whatever resources you need. It's Kevin Miller at foothillschurch.org, and we are absolutely, completely, and totally sent. Amen. 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 